Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um, the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who mm. did their very first rock blast there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. Yeah. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, The Sizz Dog. Thank you for joining me. I'm sorry it is late again. The Art of Touring is dropping a day late, but it's alright, don't worry about it. You're still going to get your Art of Touring fix this week. Oh my god, Sizzlers, what is going on in your world? The Sizz Dog stressed out, man. I just started it back at work after six weeks off, you know, but at least I got to kind of dip my toes back into work, you know, it's nice uh, in the teaching gig, at least the way my school does it, we have meetings and, you know, preparation time and everything, and then, and then it's more like a soft open, you know, just the little year sevens come back on the first day, yeah, on Friday, and now we've got the weekend to pretend like, you know, we're still on holidays, and then when Monday morning comes around, Whole school baby, whole school baby comes right on back, straight in, Monday morning. And, you know, this year I've got a year nine homeroom. I actually requested to go into year nine because I had been in the year eight team for three years and I needed a change, man. So, um, and the camp, the year nine camp is sick. You get to go to Phillip Island. So, you know, you never know. I'm nine blue this year, top. I'm the first cab off the rank. Now, they haven't told me whether I'm first going on camp, but blue is like the first color, right? There's no color starting with A. There probably is. Uh, Aqua, I guess, but there's no aqua. Uh, Nine aqua. How good would that be? Seven aqua. No, no. Nine blue is the first one. Um, And uh, who knows? I might get to go on camp in the summertime, which would be nice, you know, down to Phillip Island. See the penguins and do the old... uh, you know, I think they do. I think kayaking or something is one of the one of the ones that you get to do on the Year Nine camp. So that'll be fun. Oh, what else is going on? I just had a massive shout out to Ricky Boy, um, prior guest on the Art of Touring episode two. That's how far back me and Ricky Boy go. No, really, I've known Ricky for fourteen years actually, and I helped Rick move. That's what you do when you're mates for fourteen years. And he goes, "Hey, I'm moving." I'm like, "Yep." When it when is it? I will make myself available. So I'm surprised I'm awake, to be honest. It was brutal. Ricky Boy has over five thousand vinyls, which we had moved today in uh, my my sis dog in the good old territory and he borrowed a work van. Took a couple of trips, but we got all the vinyls there. And uh yeah, lucky I'm uh lucky. I'm sponsored by Anytime Fitness in Epping. I tell you right now, I had to work the guns to get all that stuff in there, into the new pad. But uh, now all he's going to be doing is just trying to, it's all moved, but now he's got to sort out putting everything back up. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that the place set up, you know, in a, in a few weeks once he's got it all sorted out. Oh, guys, this week I caught up with singer G. Marco. And uh, keep listening to hear G recall the tale of how his band in Austria was almost given a radio push if had if it had not been 
for an ill-fated bonus track, but you'll have to keep listening to hear what I'm talking about. It's hilarious. Trust me, you'll want to keep listening for that story. It is a doozy. Art of Turing is brought to you every single week on a Friday, Saturday. Let's just say Saturday, maybe Friday. I'll try to get back to Fridays, but uh, look, Friday, Saturday, you're going to get it, okay, in your earbuds. Uh, you can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You know where to find it. And guys, if if you're liking the pod, tell everyone else about it as well. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell, tell everyone, tell a stranger on the street. Hey, what's up? What, what, what do you want? So get away from me. No, 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 dude, dude, relax. I'm just here to tell you about the Art of Doing podcast by the Sizdog. It drops every week. You should check it out. Okay, I will. Just don't hurt me. No, no, I'm a good guy. Trust me. I'm good. I'm a good bloke. I just love podcasts. Okay, you're freaking me out. I'll listen. Just just don't, don't stay, just you're getting a bit close. You're a close talker. I'm not. I'm all the way back here. You can't even hear me. Art of Doing. Oh, actually talking about audio, guys, bit off script right now. Uh, when I recorded this podcast with G Marco, bit of rain, bit of rain in the background. So I just, I did a quick YouTube uh, tutorial on how to reduce background noise. It does sound better. So if you're listening in the car, it's probably not so bad. If you're listening with headphones, it might get a little bit, you know, but I've gotten rid of most of it. So just bear with it. And and look, the stories are worth it. G. Marco, mate, can he tell a story? I tell you right now, he can. All right. If you are listening with kids, however, it might be a good idea to throw on um, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And once they are dropped off at their swimming lessons, you can throw Art of Touring back on. And now I want to tell you about this week's and every week's sponsor. It's Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury. Check it out. Episode 93 of The Art of Touring is brought to you by Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury. Lobo's is Melbourne's largest and best vintage toy store. Uh, Their newly relocated address on 310 St. George's Road in Thornbury, uh, this store has something for everybody. Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Elf, My Little Pony, uh, Dino Riders, Star Trek. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And so if you are looking for a gift for your mate, for your girlfriend, for your wife, uh, for your best bud, there's no other place to go than Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury. The coolest thing about Lobo's is they are constantly acquiring new old stock to add to their store. So if you are sure to find something different every time you visit, let them know you heard about Lobo's from Sizdog on the Art of Touring podcast. Man, I love this store. I just drove past there today. I saw them working away. I was this close to stopping by, but I had to help my mate move. And I'm like, no, I want to go to Lobo's. <laughs> Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury. It's the best darn toy store in the universe. Oh, talking about Lobo's, those guys have come to the party for the Art of Touring podcast 100th episode live event at the Spotted Mallard happening on Feb 15th. Those guys are offering you every single punter that comes to that gig is going to get a 15% off voucher for Lobo's collectibles valid from the 15th of Feb all the way to the 15th of May. Three months. So you go in there and you find something, oh, I can't afford that. That's a hundred bucks. Guess what? 
It's 75 bucks. Thanks to old mate Sis Dog on the Art of Touring. All right? So come on down to that gig. I mean, that's worth the price of admission alone. But guess what? There's so many more treats coming your way at that gig. I'm going to tell you all about it at the end of the pod in the plugs section. So don't worry. You're going to hear, hear a lot more about it. All right, without any further ado, let's sit back and breathe it in. That's right, it's Sis Dog and G Marco shooting the shit. Strap in and let's get loose. It's time for the Art of Turing to begin. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I'm sitting here in Siriani Studios. It's pouring down rain, uh, but it hasn't stopped us. Sitting across from me is singer G. Marco. How are you, G? I'm good. I'm dry, and I'm um, uh, looking forward to having a chat with you. It's fantastic to be here, and uh, thanks for having me. Yes, it's pouring with rain, but um, I think Victoria needs it at the moment, so Mm. we're welcoming it. We really do, don't mm. we? It's it's been absolutely shocking it has. Um, with the bushfires. Yeah. You know, just no matter where you are in in the country, you step outside and you can just smell the smoke. You know, yep. most days it's 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 horrifying. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, it was I think it was the Black Saturday fires. I I, I stepped down out on my um my black back porch here, mm. and it was just the whole sky was just this. God awful color, hmm. you know. Um, haven't really experienced that this time around, but it's it's more of the just the smoke and the smell in yeah. the air. It's it's wild. Yeah, yeah. So so rain is welcome. Yes. Um. I and like, I tell my children we're not made out of sugar, so we can go outside and we'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're not made out of sugar. No, that, that would suck. No, that no. would be bad if you were made out of sugar and you went out in the rain. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. Short lifetime span. Yeah, yeah. Very short for <laughs> the sugar statue in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, gee, tell mm. us a story, mate. Where are you from and where did you grow up? Okay. Well, I grew up 20,000 miles from your um, humble lair. Yes. Um, I was born and bred in Austria, in um, Europe. Yeah, um, was, I'm born '76, so I'm a fire dragon for those who care, um, and a, a Taurus, rising sign Taurus, which really sucks for those who care. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, um, I uh, can yodel, and uh, um, I, um, I, I grew up in a in a in a small town. Even though Graz in Austria is the second second biggest city, yes, it's about as big as Geelong. So if you think about that, oh, way. okay, <coughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Vienna is the biggest city in Austria, and it's about 1.5 million. Right. So um, the whole country only has nine, maybe now 10 million um, um, people wow. living there. So it's small. It's yeah. Lots, it's it's lots of um, mountains, and um, I grew up on skis. Really, um, I, I started skiing when I was two. Really? Yeah. And wow. uh, I think I could ski before I could run. That's for sure. And uh, that's one of the things I miss the most. I'm, I love having moved here. I moved here in 2004, so yeah, I'm yeah. here now since 15 years. Um, I love Australia. I love Melbourne. Um, I, there's not a day I regretted the move. Sure. The only thing I'm really missing is the is is, is the um, snow. being up on 3,000 meters in 45 minutes. You know. Yeah. And a blue sky every time you go up there, and and a fabulous snow wow. in, in winter. So that was white Christmases. Yeah. Actual, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Good times. Now that's, that's something that I, I can't even imagine, mm. you know, Look, being every, that close to the snow every, and, and snowing like in the backyard every, right. every year. Yeah. Every in Australia, every June, I get really like sentimental because it gets cold and I'm going, <laughs> yay, you know, I'd soon it's going to be snowing and yeah. it's going to be Christmas. And I'm going, no, it's not. It's June. Yeah. Num- number one, it's not going to be Christmas. And number two, it's not going to snow regardless no. because you're in Melbourne. Yes. And I'm going, fuck. Um, the snow's so, like two uh, hours uh, from here. That's it. And and then that was the only reason why I could handle the bad weather in, in, in Europe, you know, because you yeah. know the snow is going to come. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but... I guess um, I was once told that the things that you achieve in, in life are maybe just as much worth as the things you had to give up in order to get them. Yeah. And so f- for me to um, to be here, I, I had to leave a lot of things in Europe, mm. a lot of um, friendships and a lot of uh, colleagues and a lot of opportunities, but um, it was worth it. Um, when I moved here, it was, yeah. um, was, was, a, was a big shift in, in my life. You know, moving continents is tricky. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, but... Yeah, and I couldn't couldn't be happier. That's a cool thing, man. Yeah. And so growing up in Austria um, mm-hmm. uh, in the eighties, really, because yep. uh, by the time you you know nineteen eighty rolled That's around, right. you're six four years old. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Did you have any brothers or sisters in your family? Yep. Yeah. I got a sis. She's um, twelve years older. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was eight, she got pregnant and um, moved out. Yes. So she was twenty. Yes. Um, and that um, was exactly in what 82 84 yeah, around yeah. the time when she when she got pregnant and uh, it's um it it was it was a musically an interesting time because there were still chord progressions in the 80s <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and so I, uh, yeah i know this 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 weird thing that yeah, people yeah. talk about in 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 myth and legends <laughs> 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 but uh, um it was a it was a interesting environment, especially. I mean, if you if you think about how how the seventies and eighties, how they've molded my my parents too, you know, and and, yeah. and the music they were listening to. Mm. Were, were but, your parents but, musical? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my 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 parents were older when they had me because there was problems with the first birth of my my sister, mm. and the doctor said can't have another one. And twelve years later, I went. Well, I'm coming anyway. <laughs> Wow. Uh, um and um popped out, screamed, everything was fine. Yeah. And my dad is a jazz guitarist, swing guitarist. Right. So by, by profession he's an optometrist, but when he was in his 20s, 30s, 40s, he worked full-time and about four or five nights a week for four to six hours he played swing and standards. Right. Um all night through, you yeah. know. With a with an old um 79 Les Paul Silver burst, that is so freaking heavy, and I've got her now here because because I was I was allowed to take her with me. Wow! It's it's such a heavy bastard. It's it's um it was only made for for two years, seventy nine and eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the original silver burst, and half of them have turned green because oh. of the lead in it. So it's a, it's a really funky guitar. Is that the the guitar that's on the cover of that Dire Straits album? Is that the style you're talking about? Uh, do you know the guitarist from Tool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got one. Oh, okay. It's the Silver Burst. It's the it's the Les Paul um, um, 
Oh, it's a Les Paul. Sorry, it, I must have missed you say yeah. that. Yeah, right, right. Mm, it's a it's a Les Paul silver burst. So she's black on the outside, silver on the middle, Whoa. and heavy like a bastard. Oh my god! I mean, Les Pauls are already heavy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but so you add more metal to the bastard. <laughs> no, no, no. She's she's um she's heavy. She must and, sound amazing though. And, yeah, she's she's good and and yeah. changing from from really heavy rock to really warm jazz yeah. in, in an instant. She's she's gorgeous. But I don't know how my dad was playing four or five hour sets with this thing, you know? Mm. It's like, no wonder that his spine is a bit messed up. Jacked up. up. Yeah. It's yeah. all from the silver burst, yeah. Les Paul. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, um, yeah, he, he, he brought me... <clears throat> Here's an interesting one. My first uh, realization of the power of music. My father was an optometrist, so, um, you know... He always complained about having to reach behind old people's ears all day <gasps> to fix the glasses. And uh, there were times where he came home from work and was just in a really foul mood. Sure. You know, understandably, his boss was a little bit rough. Yeah, yeah. So um, sometimes he came home and it was just nasty. And I remember I must have been maybe three, four, really little. I was sitting in the kitchen and he came home and just smashed the door and walked straight past the kitchen. And and we went, oh, he's in a shit mood. You yeah. Know, oh, 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 you know. And I went, oh, what's happened? You know, oh, that. And I saw him go into the living room, pick his guitar off the wall, and play it for 20 minutes. Right. And then he came out into the kitchen and he said, hi, how are you guys doing? How was your day? What's going on? And I went, what the fuck? <laughs> how? <clears throat> how can this wooden thing with six nylon strings on it yeah. do that? Yes. How 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 powerful. Wow. You know how because I know my dad Leo, you know, he's like mm. whatever he says is the law and when he's angry he's angry and stays there. Yes. Or at least that's where he was when he was in his 40s or 30s when when I grew up. Mm. And and that introduced me to music in a way because I what that, that I want if 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 this can do this to a human. Yes. That is so amazingly powerful. Sure. So I got intrigued and I wanted to. And then, of course, you know how this is with kids. Um, any instrument was fine with me except guitar, right? Cause, really? Because my dad played guitar. I grew up with... Can we go? We already... You wouldn't stop. No, but he looks at you. While he's yeah. noodling. <laughs> then, like, he gives you yeah. a, then he gives you a What's smile. <laughs> then he gives you a smile, you know? Yeah. And we're going, Dad, can we please go? We're all in, in the ski, in a Sunday morning, uh, full dressed in the ski overalls, you know, ready to go to the freaking mountain. And it's like, so when I was, when I was, um, when I was two, three, yeah. my mom put me into a, into a kid's choir. And uh, so I started singing um, for, for fun. Uh, yeah. at church and, and in, in that choir and when I was eight um, I started piano <clears throat> because I um, didn't want to have a bar of the guitars because I heard them all day Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started playing the piano and up, after about two years of you know I was like oh, can we just like play a chord or like do, do some Beatles stuff you know sure, do, yeah. do we have to do this fingering thing that is really annoying yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I don't see the purpose so after three years, I, I I stopped with the with the piano, but I 
kept playing chords. Right. Because that's a, a intrigued me a little bit. Yes. And then my dad said, why don't you want to play guitar? I was like, oh, I play guitar. I want to play drums, dad. Ah. And I, I said to him, I, was, I think it was 10 or 11. I said, I want to play drums. And he went, oh, yeah, nah. I went, okay, why not? It's like, because we live in an apartment. I grew up in an apartment, right? Sure. Um, where are you going to put it? It's too expensive. It's too loud. And he gave me a list of things that why is, why is it not going to work. And um, he said, unless you have an argument for each of those points and half the money for a kid, it's not going to happen. Sure, yeah. I went, all right. So it took me about half a year. Yes. <laughs> saved up the money. Yes. Got an argument for each of his points well i can put like you know little things on the on the drums it's not too loud yeah, right yeah. i can put it in my bedroom and just tidy it up i found a kit that's maybe the equivalent to now of six seven hundred bucks a thousand bucks australian yeah yeah found a kit was a 40 year old premier a really cool old jazz kit right wow um and uh, and he that would have tickled his fancy because yeah, he's a jazz guy i knew my dad i knew how to you know <laughs> He was, what he, buttons he, to was push? he was playing it hard, but I'm playing it hard back. <laughs> yeah, yes. <clears throat> so I was going, okay. And um, so and here's half the money. And he looked at me and he went, All right, let's go. Nice. I went, I went what? It's like, let's go. It's like where too? It's like let's go buy the kid. I went, now? He went, Yep. Yep. And we went in the car and we bought the kid. Fantastic. And I love that about him. And I yeah. love that about and I've, I still have that. You know, when I, when I really, really, really want something? Sure. The first thing that pops in my head is my dad saying, do you want it or do you need it? And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I want it. I don't need it. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so I, I still reason you with You needed my- <laughs> that drum kit though, man. <laughs> oh, man. I, Obviously. I, I had built myself a kit already, mm. right? So but by sh- to show him that I'm, I'm happy to play, I built this really nasty little performer drum kit at home out of I don't know what it was paper mache and and cardboard and and, yeah. and tins and I smacked on it with some cook utensils and uh, made enough noise to annoy him to a metronome of course yes yes so, and uh, I learned all kinds of songs <laughs> some crazy genesis and uh, it was still in the 80s, wasn't it? Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was before Rage. Yeah, Rage changed me. Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against me. the Machine was in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, that's right. When they when they come out, I was 16. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I think that, that traumatized me for life. <laughs> but going back to, to my drum kit... Um, so I started drums and I played jazz drums in the in the youth conservatoire for the next five, six years. Okay. So um it was really my first instrument up until I was um at uni. Mm-hmm. Um but So all through high school you played drums. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I But went, you could always sing as well. Yes, because when I was twelve, so just a year after I started with the kid, mm. um my dad had this old Techniques double tape deck, like a, a big one, right? Yeah. And he had a, a normal tape deck hooked to it. So you could do actually a, a recording of two things at the same time with it, mm. right? And it intrigued me because I started songwriting with 12. And I started to pick up the bass and the guitar because I wanted to create songs. And so you had to record something onto the little tape deck 
and then you played it back from the little tape deck yes. and you played the next instrument on top to the reel to reel yes right so and you go back and forth and you play it down to the little one yeah. and then you play it back in the next instrument so you could try and basically do multi-tracking that's right yeah you just can't fuck up because no. it's gonna be there forever yes and, and every time you record the white noise level goes up mm-hmm. so by the time you finished and you press play it's more like <laughs> it's just wild it the was, amount of white noise that's gonna oh happen man, from that yeah it was awesome and um, lots of shit songs it was great mm. <clears throat> I'm like a, a friend of mine teaches songwriting at Berkeley and he always says shit is a good fertilizer <laughs> so um, um, you have to get through the crappy songs and write the crappy oh, ones dude. to get to the Even good now, ones. Even now, I'll come over here in the podcast studio um, trying to nut out a, a tune and, and I'll, I'll sit in here for an hour or two writing down just words and sentences and then sometimes I'll leave and I'll, I'll have recorded into my phone maybe a 30-second thing that I dig mm-hmm. and the rest of the stuff was just nonsense. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back to my phone and hopefully I'll find a little nugget that mm-hmm. might be able to be turned into a song. That's right. Most of the time it's not because it, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really difficult, you know. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, um, I, I enjoyed that process. He, he let me... He let me um, Use the equipment, and yeah. he had this little drum computer thingy back then, which could just make drum sounds. And then I, I picked up bass and guitar mm. because of it. I started playing, and uh, started writing. And by the time I was um, at uni, I had written about two hundred, one hundred and fifty to two hundred tracks. Oh my gosh! I had, I had recorded about half of them. Jeez! Um, uh, at the end, I had a four track. Like a old Yamaha four track with a tape in it. Yes, you know the, the, the um, that was really. I still have the tapes. Yeah, I just got an old four track as well that can play it. So I'm not sure if it actually works. I haven't tried it yet. That's pretty cool. Um, and but then when I was um 18, mm, and I said to my dad, look, I, I really would like to go into music, and because of his career of having done it and knowing how hard it is. Yes. He said to me to look for a second standing leg, you know, right, what, right. what else could you do that uh, interests you besides mm. the music because it's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard, yeah. Mm. Good so, advice. Yeah, well, n- not when you're 17, you don't want to no, hear it. you don't, uh, no. <laughs> but, um, I mean, uh, so the, the, other, the only other thing that really interested me was journalism. Right. Um, and so when I was 18, I signed up for German linguistics, literature, and a journalism um, double degree. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, and I was working pretty much full-time at a, at a newspaper when I was 18, 19. Then I was at uni and um, had, had a couple of bands that were about a thousand years ahead of time. Yeah. Um, what was the name of your first band out of uni? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. Because that was that was uh, we were so close, man. We were so close. That the band was called Tunefish CM. Tunefish CM. Mm-hmm. And um, um, tune as in tuning, fish as in fish, but the German writing so S C H. Tune dot fish and then CM. Um, um, next to it like a trademark. Ah, oh, right. And we were. We got together in 1993. Yes. And we were one of the first bands that that combined metal and funk 
and we and I rapped in German. <laughs> <laughs> way cool. before the first bands were on air doing that like yeah. the german stuff yeah <clears throat> and um if you if you if you dare to google me mm. um you'll find on my facebook page a couple of crazy outfits that we were wearing about like full latex shit and yes and, and uh, um i had i had performed in in an ice hockey chest guard <laughs> on top of a of a of a like a negligee net thingy yeah and wild my, my hair was down to my to my hip and um and we were in eyeliners and 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 high heels and, <laughs> and i'm so glad that none of this shit is on facebook because <laughs> otherwise i wouldn't get all the jobs yeah <laughs> yeah it was rough times but it was it was fascinating because the five of us we ended up um dismissing the concept of verse and choruses altogether and right. we, we started to become a, a band that really did looping back in the mid 90s yeah but not because we had a loop machine but because we were we were layering musical ideas um and improvised them yes. while i did the same thing vocally and i made up the lyric as i went along ah. which, which it was like like live painting it was really cool. So the gigs would always be different. The gigs would always be different. So we had certain themes yes. that we that we drew from, but then wow. how they came out and what at what pace and, and when when we change all oh, you just gotta listen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, that scares the shit out of me, man. No, it was <laughs> I it don't was think I could never do that. It was more soundscaping. <laughs> yeah, like right. That, that that's a nicer way of describing it. And of course the audience couldn't get it because we were like, you know, a thousand years ahead of time. Yeah. But what we ended up doing is we were playing um, at um, artists' vernissage, at artists' um, uh, galleries and stuff, to to be a soundscape for right. for the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just we were the you know spacing out for four hours without a break because that's yeah. that was the gig and it was yeah. awesome. Um, and we had um, we had a pretty cool setup. Um, one guitarist built his own MIDI guitar in in the early nineties, so he he fiddled with his thing and and then he had. A MIDI instrument for each string, mm -hmm. and that was a little bit early for that. So yeah. there weren't really MIDI boxes for the guitar yet. But right. but he was a professor in biochemistry and had three kids. Right, the other guitarist he could make her sing. He was such a beautiful guitarist, and he uh, he had a looper, um, and he was more a conventional guitarist. Okay, the other one just made noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, literal noise. Okay, there was no there was no. He was just chaos. It was great. <laughs> and then we had this guitarist. He he uh, is now the head of pathology in my state, Whoa. and he has five kids, and his wife is a GP. I, I don't know how they did that. Wow, crazy! Then we had a um, a, a drummer who played drums and keys at the same time. <laughs> it was really wicked. It was awesome, and he was singing BBs. And our bass player had either really really shit bass lines or genius ones. <laughs> Nothing in between. Nothing. In between. Nothing. <laughs> So and and anything I did was always too commercial. It's too commercial, Gerald. You can't do that. And I was going That was too commercial. Yeah, and they said, no, Gerald, it's too catchy, man. And I'm going That's too catchy. Where else can I go, man? Wow, I don't know what they were looking for. No, no, no. I'm, no I think they didn't know what they were looking for. But either, yeah, it challenged me. 
because it, 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 I always was looking for, uh, you know, what else can we create that's, sure, that's, yeah. that's contributing to the soundscape. Yeah, yeah. And because we had one of our guitarists create the chaos, and I sort of brought the order back, we had a really cool balance. Mm. Is there any recordings out there of any of the stuff that you did with that band? Um, we've we've had three albums that we released. Wow. Um, back in the 90s in Austria. Yeah. And uh, the third one was really successful and we almost got um, a record deal, but um, we had a, a song on there that was so highly inappropriate. Um, and it was like, you know, how there's like bonus tracks that sure. you don't write up and yeah. then then you play the last song and then there's a bit of a gap you know and then there's the bonus track yes and the bonus track was an actual live jam where i where we all made it up yes but it was so much fun and i made up the lyrics and that is the recording right but it is i'm I know this is you you advising people, you know, to send the kids to bed when they're listening to this stuff. But I think this is even too much for grown-ups. I'm, I don't want to say it. <laughs> it I do advise people to put the kids to bed before listening to the Art of Touring. <laughs> that's right. Because you never know what's going to no, happen no. On, on the podcast. That's exactly right. So it's, it's that bad. You it, think the adults it, might I, be shocked. I, I tell you how bad it is. Yes. The... Um, the, the the biggest independent indie radio station in, in in Austria based in Vienna yeah got hold of our CD and they loved it mm. they loved it and they had a team meeting and they played it to everyone in the team including the boss and she was fierce she was a she was a very strong independent fierce uh, mm. feminist back in the in the, in the mid nineties yeah and I, I really respect that she's cool and. And they listened through our all the whole album, and they thought that you know we are, we are, this is really cool. This is German language. This is wicked music. You know, yeah. we're we pushing the boundaries. This is so exciting. Let's let's get them airplay. Let's let's bring them in. Let's let them play live. Let's let's push them. Yeah, yeah. And then the bonus track came, <gasps> and the legend says that after the bonus track, she stood up, opened the CD player, took it out broke the CD, smashed it in the bin and said, those boys will never play on our station. Oh, and that was our... That was <laughs> that, it. That, that was our... That's how close <gasps> we were. Nail in the coffin. And that's it. And the funny thing was is that, that that jam, because at that time we were still doing normal in apostrophes, normal tunes, right? Yes, yes. But that jam was the beginning of this fabulous journey of abandoning verse and chorus and becoming yes. so creative in that in that um, in that space. Right. So in a way, we missed out on the how do you say the it? rock and roll dream? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and now nah, I, I don't think. Well, the push though that would have been lovely. The push would have been lovely, but you know it, it can, especially back in the nineties, what happened a lot with with the bands that got pushed. Um, before you know it, they will tell you what kinds of jeans you have to wear, what kinds of shirts you have to wear, and what kinds of songs you have to write and play. Yeah, yeah. And that would have wouldn't have worked for us at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And who knows if if you know I, I do believe in the road of serendipity. So you, you don't know where life would have taken you you know sometimes yeah. shit happens yeah. for, for a reason yeah <clears throat> and you just gotta roll with it so i didn't know about that until about 10 years later that's when someone when said I, that's when this is what happened in that that's, room that's exactly right oh yeah. 
oh, you were just so, told, oh, yeah, they passed on it, guys. Bad luck. Yeah, Maybe like, next oh, time. Yeah, that's right. So, But then it was like, oh, man, really, it was the song that brought... <laughs> oh, if you, so, so that's pretty funny. So, like, they're sitting in the room, right? Mm. And they're, they're, they're planning all this stuff. Mm. The album is, is finished. It's done. Just, they just haven't bothered to press stop. And then this song comes <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> that's and right. And they all just look at each other. That's the, right. The woman breaks it over her leg. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You have to tell us what you were singing about. I mean, that story deserves the climax, mate. What was the content? Okay. Um. How how can I say this? Um. Look, I'll take I'll take a note of the time marker. <laughs> no, we're thirty three minutes in, so if it's that inappropriate, I can edit no, it. No, no. I, I I should be articulate enough to say it, um, that you know what it's about without saying any of the words. Right. And it's in German anyway, but uh, it's technically about a um intimate relationship um as a school student um with your um teacher oh shit so technically yeah right um but um the police it's, did it's, that it's, don't it's, stand don't stand yeah that's right but <laughs> he he used better words <laughs> yeah. he made a bit <laughs> he used better words that's great <laughs> those were not the words i used, used. <laughs> okay all right now we now the full picture is here yeah wow yeah, yeah, no, wow. quite explicit and descriptive but yeah, okay yeah. there you go yeah shit happens um and yes that that was that was my first band, Tunefish. Well, it it was the, the biggest band I, I was with. We we won um, competitions and yeah. we did albums and and um, I learned a lot from them. But when I was um, twenty, I um, auditioned for two performing arts schools because I had done music theatre by then, I had done drama by then, and um, I realized how much um, you could make doing eight shows a week in Germany. Wow! Yeah. And I went, okay, there's. This, this is more fun than being a journalist because, uh, to be honest, when I was uh, 19, 20, I was smoking a pack and a half a day. I was completely stressed. Um, yeah. I was a journalist for this weekly newspaper where I, I had a whole district to myself where I had to look up. It was really hard. Stressful it's, it's a gig. fabulous gig. But yeah. You know when you sit in a gig and you realize it's not your bag, and and there's yeah. other people who are really good at it and they really love doing it, and yes. I I can do it, but it's it came down to that I don't want to ask people questions where I don't want to know the answer to. Sure, yeah. And yeah. I went okay, then 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 maybe I'm not a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you really have to have that personality yeah, yeah. where you can be like, okay, this is going to make this person I'm interviewing yeah. uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask it anyway. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I, I, I can't, I didn't, I didn't like that at the time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I auditioned for um, a couple of different performing arts academies, one in Vienna especially and one in, in Hamburg, and I got mm. into both. Mm. And I then in 20, no, that's now, in um, 1998, I moved to Hamburg. Wow. To do full time two years post grad in performing arts. Yeah. Um and um did ballet five times a week. Wow. And jazz five times a week and drama and singing. Mm. And uh they got us ready to do um eight shows a week and when I was um but two years in, I got first cast Ramtam Tugger and Cats. Yes. <clears throat> in Hamburg and then I did eight shows a week for six years in a row. So that's 400 shows a year Whoa. for six years straight. And that was the one 
part in the I oh know this is different shows it's like different they would shows cycle through year. so once you're in that production company that they will go okay now G you know obviously audition but this is the kind of spot you're going to get this time uh, around or no no how did no. it work it's, it's quite nasty so in in in, in Europe, it's quite similar here too. Yeah. But your contracts are anywhere between nine to fifteen months. Sure. So normally you have one and a half to two months of of uh, rehearsals. Yeah. Um, and then you go into your production, and the production normally runs for a year. Okay. And so does your contract. Oh, so after that year, you're Nothing. at square one again. Nothing. You have to so prove yourself all over again. So halfway through your contract, you go oh. on audition to. So, you know, you, you're about six months into your contract and, you know, you've got money for another four to six months. Yeah. So now you're going to go audition again. And, and in music theater, even though I'm male and uh, um, I can sing and I can dance and I can, I can, uh, I can act, mm. I still only got about one out of eight, one out of ten gigs that I auditioned for. Sure, yeah, Because yeah. there's just such so much competition. It's yeah. hard to get in and it's not really about ability. It's more about look. So the ability is expected, mm. and then when you're in the in the last round of you know five people, are, uh, um, would suit that role, yeah. then they pick the one that looks the role, yes, not the one that because they can all sing, they can all dance, they can all act. That's so, it. By that point, it's it's yeah, just picking the exact right. right person. Yeah. So right, I, um, I I did that for and and I ended up my last gig was doing cats in Danish um, in Copenhagen. Wow. So I had to, and I didn't speak Danish when I got the contract. So I had to <laughs> le- learn the, the bloody language. So How many languages do you speak? If you count Latin, it's five. Wow. Mm. That seems so, so run them off for me. So Germ- English, obviously. German, German is my mother tongue. Yes, German. English, obviously. Mm. Um, French. Yes. Danish. Danish. And Latin. Wow. I do understand a little bit of Dutch, a little bit of Spanish, and a little bit of Italian. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't speak it a lot. No, but if you went to that country, you could kind of you could. I can I can sound like I a can local. order a beer and and find where the toilet is. So we're good. That's it. Well, that's definitely a skill that would be lost on most Australians because the whole country speaks English, but hmm. over there you're so close to all of the other that's countries, right. and yeah. you're going to school and university and work with all the people that speak all these different languages. Right. It would just rub off on you so much more, yeah. you know, accessible. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man, I want to hear more about your time in Europe, dude. But before we do, I want to take a moment to tell our listeners about Anytime Fitness in Epping. I uh, joined the Anytime Fitness community last year, man, and I love it. They give you a key fob, which gives you 24-hour access to not only your home gym, but every Anytime Fitness location around the world, which means if you're planning a holiday and you don't want to ease up on your training, you can still find a gym wherever you are around the globe. And it's perfect for the touring muso or wrestler as well. If you're on the road and you need to get a pump in before your next match or your next gig, there's no better place than Anytime Fitness. You can always find an Anytime Fitness somewhere and get your training in. Uh, Now, man, I love the concept of the 24-hour gym vibe. It's great. I think the best part of it for me is because I don't like training with headphones on. Uh, they've got an app on your phone called Crowd DJ, which you can download onto your smartphone and you can control the music in the gym. So if you're in the mood to play some of your favorite tracks and you've forgotten your headphones at home, or if you're like me and you don't even like training with headphones on, you can still listen to your own playlist of music while getting your gym session done. They also have Anytime Fitness, the app, uh, which has got 
heaps of programs and workouts to help you on your fitness journey. Not to mention the very friendly staff which are there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And Anytime Fitness are offering free sign-up, no sign-up fee from the 19th of Feb. So those vouchers are going to be at the 100th episode of the Art of Doing podcast. So get on down to Anytime Fitness and sign up today or wait till the 15th of Feb and sign up then for no joining fee. Check it out. Do it. You'll be good at it. That's why I did, I did Cats about 700 times. Wow. And so you played rum tug, tugger in Hamburg and in, yeah. in in Copenhagen. I was a I was a super swing. I had four different tracks. So I did rum tum tugger, which was the a super swing. Mm, a super swing means that you're an understudy for more than one cut or more than one roll. Roll, yeah. And I had four. Four. <clears throat> so four pussies. <laughs> <laughs> you had to um, bounce between four pussies. Um, Lucky you, mate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you got paid for it. Whoa! Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream you're yeah. living the dream yeah. so, sorry mom yeah. um, um, look yes now I'm, I'm that's where I'm, I met my wife in, in um, so I met Steph in, in Cats in Hamburg mm-hmm. so whenever the kids ask you know so how did you meet so in a unitard mate we met in a unitard in a unitard that's right yeah so good times <clears throat> but um, in Copenhagen I had four cats and the interesting part about what was that there were four different voice qualities right. so you had Rum Tum Tugger which was the rock cat sure then you had Mungus Trap which was uh, lyrical music theatre mm-hmm. then you had um, then, I, then it was Skimble the railway cat who was really pop yep and then I had Gus the theatre cat which was classical right and I and they were all in Danish yes so um, here's, a, here's, here's a funny story um I had to learn Danish by phonetics because I didn't know what I was learning in terms of content. No, you right? were just like... By sound. And, and copying it, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Danish is a pretty tough language and they say there's five million Danes and there's five million accents. So they go, it's like, which one's the right one? You know? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then we had our phonetics coaches fight with each other. And I was like, it's hello. No, it's hello. No, it's hello. And they're like, if you guys don't know, <laughs> no. just tell me which one. Yeah. I don't really care. No, you know? no. The but, audience is going to be f- pretty forgiving, especially considering how many dialects there are. Um, you would think so. You would. <laughs> but our producer was a bit rough and uh, yeah. he, he, didn't, um, he didn't like foreigners to begin with and he wanted to cast cats just with Danes but um, we had the American tour team mm-hmm. um, uh, as a creative team. They were awesome and they said, this is not good enough. Just can't. And they had to top up and that's how we got the gig. Ah. So, um, uh, but he said the Danish has to be flawless, right? Yeah, yeah. And Monkey's Trap, which was my biggest role, he's the narrator. And, and uh, he's got, in, in my opinion, one of the most, I'm not sure if I can say useless songs in music theater, but uh, um, there's a song in Cats, it's called The, the Pigs and the Pollicles. And, um, it doesn't really b- bring the story uh, anywhere. Uh, uh, just the, there is no story. There. No, yeah. no, no, no. There, there's, in Cats, there's really... There's 22 stories in Cats. Yeah. It's a social experiment, and I it's love it for that. Yeah. But if you go into the show to look for a plot... There isn't you, one. ...you're going to have difficulties. Yeah. Because my, my wife was showing the twins' mm. cats the mm. other day, mm-hmm. and I was doing the dishes and pottering around the house, you know, listening in, you know, here and there. 
And I just turned to Danielle, I go, is every tune in this musical just about each cat? <laughs> She goes, yep. I'm yep. like, so where's the plot? She's like, yeah, no, you, you no. don't watch these musicals for the plot. No. <laughs> There's no story. No, it's a, it, it is a, what I found fascinating in Cats, and not a lot of people know it or see it like that, mm. it's actually cast based on personality and character, not based on look. Mm. And each, in, in the 22 cats that are in there are separated into baby cats, um, juveniles, grown-ups, and old ones. Right, right. So you have a hierarchy. Yes. Like um, how they look at each other, right? Mm. Then you have a couple that are really scared and a couple that are really friendly and a couple that are really mean, right? So everyone has their personality. And what people don't understand when you watch the show, you might find out, is actually 70% of the time you're doing improv. Ah. It's not blocked and it's not choreographed. Huh. You're just on stage playing with the other cats, responding to whoever is having the song right now. Really? And that was makes it so much fun to play. It is incredible fun because it's different every night. Ah. You have different people on, the energy changes. And that's not unique to the production you did. You're saying whenever you see a production of Cats, that's part all of, of the actors are mm. told, okay, there's the main cat, now you guys just do whatever. Well, you, to, to a certain degree. You, you, that's right. You, um, whatever happens on stage, you respond to it based yeah. on your your the, the age and the personality of your cat, mm, mm. and uh, um, that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, um, you, a lot of the times you just end up sitting on stage doing you know crazy shit, or you doing <laughs> um, you, you play wink murder, you know, and then all the cats fall over. So it's a it's a it's a really really cool show to play, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Watching it, if you see, if you watch it from a sense of this is a this is a moving painting or this is a this is a work of art, yeah. yes, yeah, because what the risk that they took back in the eighties to have people in unitards and 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 cat tails dance and sing poetry by T. S. Eliot, whoever had that idea, you know, it was would have been a a bad day at the at the at the office, yeah. But the fact that it has has changed music theatre. And pushed music theatre back from the 80s to the yeah. point where it was on Broadway for over what, what, 20 years. Yeah, it's pretty it, wild. It's pretty wild, you know. Yeah. So, but um, that was then, you yeah. know. So, I mean, that's why the movie, hmm, meh, you know. Oh, did you see the one in the in the pictures recently? <laughs> no, I'm, I can't. I can't see it. The trailers were enough for me to go. I, I understand what they're trying to do to introduce sure. it to a new generation, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, I think they they um. They they took a really high risk because again it lives from that immerseness of the of the theater because in the theater yeah. you have the the the, um, the chunkyard built all around the yeah audience. the set is wild and, in that musical and you don't know where the set ends and the cats start and yeah. that's a really cool thing and and uh, um, you want the audience to feel uncomfortable especially mm. in the beginning at, at times you know yeah, we, had, yeah. we we had a really cool cast in Hamburg and in 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 Copenhagen. It's it was a, cool a lot thing. of fun to play. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> and so eventually mm. you um, you met your um, wife, yes. uh, Steph, mm-hmm. uh, playing, you know, a character in Cats. Yep. And you both decided, you know what, let's um, let's go over to Australia. What, why the decision to move over here? Um, well, talking about Road of Serendipity, the producer in Cats that I mentioned before and that shall not be named, mm. <coughs> he... Um, he lied a little bit to us about Steph's visa. And when the production finished, he said to her that 
she can stay in Denmark. She just can't work, so she doesn't have a work permit. Huh. But she can stay um, um, until the end of the year. And so we took that, um, and we, I was, I had a chance back then to get into Universal Denmark. They wanted to sign me. It was in 2003. Mm. That was just before iTunes and Napster, and you know, <laughs> most likely why everything crashed. Yes, yes. Um, but it was just before. So I, I wrote a hundred tunes in that year, and I did my demo. Um, and then we went to the to the foreign office in December 2003, um, and wanted to prolong the visa so that we can like finish up. And we we thought about moving to Australia, but we weren't sure yet. Sure, yeah. And so we go into the foreign office and say, "Hi, and I would like to prolong Steph's visa for the next six months, please." And she checks Steph out, and she's went, "You're illegal in Denmark since six months." Mm. You need to be on a plane tomorrow. What? Deported. Stamp in the passport. Illegal because um, the producer did not prolong her visa. He did not apply for a longer visa. Even though he said he did. He said he did. And um, oh, so, man. so they gave us 24 hours. And after five years in Europe, Steph had 24 hours to pack her stuff. And um, I drove her the next day, I drove her to the airport. And when I said to her, I said to them, uh, can, can you at least give us a week, you know? Yeah. And they went, no, 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 no. We give you a day because you came in. If we found you, you'd be in a cab right now. Jeez. And, and what if we don't go on a plane? Then we see you in court. Whoa. <laughs> I guess we're getting our shit together <laughs> okay. in 24 hours. So I put her on the plane the next day. And that's when I decided that um, I've had enough Europe. Yeah. Um, job situation was hard in music theater at the time. Yeah. I, I, I did have a good reputation. I could have had a job. But I went, nah, I've got a guitar, a laptop, and 50 bucks. And that's how I came here in 2004. Wow. And I started again. Incredible. It was, was really awesome. I never forget the flight over. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then, then I arrived here. And... Um, uh, got a, a temporary visa, mm -hmm. a spousal visa. Yeah. And then we got pregnant, we got married, and uh, I started my first company at the time, which was um, um, a music production company and artist development. And um, I became um, a member with APRA and AMCOS as publisher and as writer. Yeah. And um, yeah, I started working with other artists. And that's when I, I came across. Um, voice mechanics and voice science. Yes. And um, and I got that bug, which then propelled me onto the next stage of my of my journey. Really, you know. Mm, mm. I look back and I'm going, yeah, I've been a cat, and I think I've had about six lives by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, that's that's um, that's how I got here. Yeah. And and um, with a little push. Uh, just a little <laughs> from, from the universe, you know. <laughs> But it was scary because Steph had a stamp in her passport that said deported. Yeah, that is you, some you real don't, life you, shit. You don't want that stamp in your passport. No, man. no. Not a good time. Wow. Mm. I can't um, I can't imagine what that would have been like as a couple, you know, just being in that situation. Like, it's, it's kind of something, kind of like out of a movie, you know, but it actually happens to you in mm. real life, you know, especially the misleading aspect of the story where you're just going in there innocently going, okay, so we just want to push this back. I've got this yeah. opportunity, you yeah. know, my, my lady wants to stay here with me a little bit longer. Yeah. And then they've just turned around and told you the exact opposite <laughs> to what you were hoping for. 
Um, yeah, and, man. you know, uprooting your life and, and moving yeah. to a complete, uh, uh, I mean, you know, obviously, okay. Steph is from here, but wild, absolutely wild. Yeah. Um, but you're able to turn, turn it around. Um, you guys make yourself a, a wonderful life here down under. Yeah. And, yeah, it's right, mate. And uh, eventually you um, teach my wife. Singing, I I, I I did. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. That's that's how we met. Yeah. Um. Look. Um. I I got because it must happen to you too. You're you're a fabulous singer, and sometimes at the end of the gig, people come up to you and say, "Hey, look, you sound fabulous. You know, can you teach me?" Ah, yes, and, yes. And um, that's never happened to me. But <laughs> it's really cool that that's happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten oh you're a great singer yeah, but yeah, yeah, no one's yeah. ever said can you teach me yeah. probably because I've already I've always <laughs> had like a million students on the go anyway so even if they did ask me I probably forgot but <laughs> I love that so someone went up to you and said oh you know yeah, should really it start started, this teaching it, it started in Copenhagen and, yeah, yeah. and the first response was nah I don't want you to shit I, I don't want to teach you the shit that I was taught because it doesn't work <gasps> yes I, I don't believe it I, it doesn't work for me yeah. that weird imagery stuff I, I mean yeah, I can understand, but none of my, except for one, n- none of my other teachers really liked me because I asked too many questions, you know? Right, right. And so I got into that voice mechanics thing and the Estel model and um, and voice science, and I'm going, there's, there's so much we don't know, but there's so much cool information that, that seems to change the way I make choices when I sing. And I found it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because um, in music theater, there is no oh, this is a pretty sound and that's not a pretty sound because it depends on the show you're in. Right. Right? You can sing Rock of Ages and you need a different voice quality than if you sing Phantom. Mm. And you need a different voice quality if you do Oklahoma. And you need a different voice quality if you do Snoopy. So um, I find there, there, there is no ugly voice quality. There's just voice qualities that don't suit the task. You know? Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... Um, um, you know, opera can be absolutely stunningly beautiful, but can you please not rap in it, you know, if, if, if you may, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least not in my presence. <laughs> and uh, um, so, and I was really fresh to the work or relative early in the work when, when I, I, I met y- your wife. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, that was also about the time when I, when I was happy to teach, actually, because I, I had something that I could work with yeah because you were teaching at home yeah i was teaching at home at yeah the time. yeah That's nice right. um yeah i started teaching at schools in 2009 2008 yeah. okay in in melbourne and uh because it it, it started to, to branch out and um i had the opportunity to um get what was then the permission to teach yes registration vit and i did that and i did my english proficiency test and I, I started teaching at Moorlebach College. It was my first gig as instrumental teacher. It was pretty rad. Yeah. Um, as a singing teacher. Mm, it was, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And, and the next year... I Just like one day a week? Yeah, well, about two. About two days? Yeah. Oh, you had enough students for mm, two days at yeah, the one yeah. school? Yeah. I, I was the only singing teacher then, and I was I was asked <coughs> to, to take the program over and take the choir. Nice. And um, it was scary. Mm. Um, and there were like 30 girls, and that was it. And I had them all sing Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. <laughs> just, just, just with piano and we scared their parents. It looked, it sounded awesome. They yeah, were great. It was a yeah, great bunch. Great bunch, yeah. And then I went on to Box Hill Secondary Senior. And I was um, head of voice there for, for the program for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. 
um, and and that's how I found my my feet in the in the in the secondary teaching. Yes, and uh, from there I made it into a Box Hill Institute, and uh, became sessional staff at the at the con at the um, Victorian College of the Arts uh, and yeah. the, the Conservatoire, and at uh, Melbourne Polytechnic, and uh, yeah. I was with those guys until. 2013, 14, 15. Yeah. Um, but when I was there in 2013, I think it was, 2012, my boss back then, bless her, Karina, she was awesome in Boxley Institute. She said to me, what's your, what's your academia like? You know, what's your, what's your degree? And I went, oh, um, I actually have never finished my degree. Yeah. So I have half a double degree of journalism and, um, and uh, linguistics, right? Um, so I finished the first block, but that's like a advanced diploma level. Yeah. Then I have two years of postgrad performing arts, but I go in without a qualifying degree. I go in based on my audition. Yes. I was the only guy in there without a degree, right? So it's not really finished. Um, and then I do I do this ESTO stuff, and I'm certified in it, and that's why I'm, I'm teaching at all these places. But mm. it's not an academic bachelor or whatever. No. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But here I am, 2013, teaching at the master's level for the con, and I don't even have Amy B, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she said to me, it's just a matter of when they're going to ask you, you need, you know, what the rule is now, which is yeah. degree plus one. Yes. So whatever degree you want to teach in, you have to have one higher. If you want to teach undergrad, you have to have honors. If you want to teach honors, you have to have masters. If you right. want to teach masters, you have to have PhD. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went, okay, that's shit. And they went, well, um, get in touch with Thomas Reiner. He's German. He understands you. I'm going, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, and he's, he's teaching composition at Monash. And he was my first protocol. And I spoke with Thomas. He was fabulous. And he said, oh, just apply for a PhD. And I went, okay. What? Here I go from nothing to PhD. He's like, sure. All right. And yeah, so, so yeah. I, I put all my stuff together. For, it took me about three months. And then wow. I applied for a PhD in 2013 and I got a letter back straight away saying, you don't have a qualifying degree for a PhD. Thank you so much, but no. But yeah, yeah. So I went back to Thomas and he went, oh, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. I went, great. Thanks for letting me know. You know? <laughs> why, why did he get you to do it? <clears throat> and he said, no, because you, you start asking at the top. All right. And now you've got all your paperwork sorted. Now apply for honors. Right. And okay. Went, okay. So I applied for honors. And um, I said, I, 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 don't, I don't have a completed Bachelor of Music, but I have two years full-time in performing arts, which is music study, and two years of undergrad. Mm. <clears throat> so they went, okay, you may come in and audition. That was in early 2013, like in Jan. And um, so I went and auditioned, and I auditioned for the classical and the jazz panel at the same time. They mm. were both sitting in. And did my thing, did the interview, and then they said, we would, would be happy to accept you in either which one do you want to do? I went, mean, like, well, not classical. So yeah. that leaves me with jazz, I guess. Sure, yeah. And uh, um, I did my, my honors in, in jazz in 2013-14, so part-time, mm -hmm. which was crazy because it, it, um, it was not a music that I was diving into until then. Right, yeah. And it was quite... I did, the f I did first the, um, the written component, mm -hmm. which was really fascinating because I'd never done... Um, uh, undergrad um, course, yeah. except for the whole voice mechanics thing in English. Yes, yes. So I had to sink my teeth into that, which was really cool. That's cool. And uh, in the second year, I had the 
quite amazing. Julia O'Hara is my jazz teacher, and in a year, she 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 helped me turn turn my head around, and 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 not just then do jazz, but use what I've learned to to let it influence my writing and let it influence my my, my playing. Cool. And uh, I started to play more guitar. Um, and um, started to writing, write more with with the chords and with the structures that that were there, and it nice. made my it made my shift again happen. Because right now I'm not doing that rock pop anymore that I used to. I'm I'm writing neo soul. I'm writing funk. I'm writing uh, uh, blues, mm-hmm. and um, I'm doing this because I want to play the tunes different every night. Yeah, right. And in a pop environment, you can't do that. In okay. a rock environment, you you can to a degree, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but n- n- in funk, you just drive the bus. It's like let's go to the bridge. Nah, let's not go to the bridge. Let's yeah. let's, <laughs> let's just stay where we're fine. You know? yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all the purple hippies bang their head on a one go, and then you just everyone drop out. And this is so, this is so much fun. Yeah, I had yeah. a funk band in Copenhagen for for about two years, a ten piece. Yeah, um, and they were exactly like that, and and that's what got the. F- where I got the flavor for it. Sure, yeah. This is fun performing live because we don't know if the night is hot, we play extra, you know? <laughs> and if the night is not, we go home early. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you can't do that when you're doing your pop set, you know? Just no, have to, it's just, just like, 45 minutes, then yeah. Excuse next me, you're not singing the song like it is on the album. <laughs> I'm going, uh, yeah, okay. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, in, and now it's like they're almost upset if you play it like it is on the album. Yeah, they right. want to hear it different. And, yeah. And that is. um. That's really cool. So it it um it it I had had done a couple of bands that I started off in Australia, but uh, it, it never really clicked until I until I started teaching at Monash. Um, yeah. So after I finished my my honors, I did first class honors. So I had a really good run at it. Hmm. And um, I think Rob Burke was the was the um, um, head of school at the time, and he was my assessor as well. And I think for two years, but once a month, I gave him my CV and I went, I, I can teach here, you know. It's like, I'm teaching everywhere else, and I really want to teach here. And he went, Yeah, thanks so much. Nothing. Yeah. Until I finished. And that was fair enough. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. then I was approached to um, help develop the new um, popular voice and now popular music degree, which is what we, we've been teaching there since 2016. So that's a really, really, that's now the next step, you know. Yeah. So you never know what, what door opens. You know what new journey? Just knock. That's and, cool. And open. So um um. But now I've I've recruited a couple of um, colleagues um, admonished and and some some ex students, and I have a really cool unit, and it's quite small, but they are they are beautiful players, and um we do play the occasional gig. Mm, what's and, it called? Then? And uh, it's it's just called Marco Four. Yep. And um. Because they change, so I have a couple. I have a couple of different muses that can step in, which yes. makes it also fun. Sure, yeah. Know? And I realized that funk is three quarters fun. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot with with them, and um, yeah. and uh, um, I've I've in the, the last couple of years, I I don't play any covers anymore in my in my in my sets unless we wanna, you know. Yeah. But uh, we just gone really back to the original stuff and. And it's 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 all funk, soul, um, um, blues based, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. That's cool. So I'm. I'm so I remember I'm you, really you mentioned that, that you did um, do some original stuff um, 
before this as well. Mm. And I think there was a gig that I was putting together, like, at, I think it was like the the Brunswick Hotel. Yes. I had you guys play <clears throat> once, yeah. I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, that was a fun night. It was. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And and back then, my, my music was more still in that, in that pop rock. Yeah, cor- it was more pop rock stuff. Yeah, yeah it was and cool. I, and I still write it. I like it. It's, it's yeah. cool, but... um. It's got a different groove now, and uh, um, yeah. I know I know <laughs> I know more chords on my guitar. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, your dad'd be happy about that. <laughs> That's right. No, um, I I have a I have sort of a, a secret um, um, commitment that I've made. It's like I don't deserve my dad's guitars unless I can actually really play. Yeah, because yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Um, I've I've got now two of them or three of them over, and they're all beautiful, beautiful axes. And yeah. and, and I'm on them every day. I'm practicing every day. I That's need to, cool. yeah. I, um, my, my guitar chops are getting better, and, and it's fun. Yeah, I'm nice. developing my own little picking style. I, I really like playing them. I, I, I love um, exploring the jazz chords, but with a funky groove underneath, and then mm. my poppy melodies, you know, Over the top. popping in. It's a it's a lot of fun to play, so I'm very grateful, and um, I've, I'm in a nice environment at Monash. With yeah, the crew. It'd be very cool there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was saying to you before we um, put the the headphones on. That's where I did my um, dip ed mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in teaching. Awesome. Um, it's a great campus. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool course too. Mm-hmm. At the time, we had a um, the head of music education at the time was a lady called uh, Julie Sutherland or something like that. And she was really, really... I might be getting her name wrong because my memory's terrible. But um, it was was a really great, fun course because uh, we didn't have to, but the way she framed the music education part of the diploma, because the diploma is all-encompassing. It's not just about music. You have to do all the teaching methodologies. And then, you know, you you had your music part of it as well. And so she made us write and produce our own musical from scratch. And so (laughs) it's all these music teachers or, you know, would-be music teachers um, getting together every Thursday or whenever it was and figure it, writing a script, writing the songs. Yeah. We, we had to figure out, um, you know, scene changes and, and costume changes and everything. Yeah. And I think we, we, we wrote it about um, ancient Egypt. And so we used all the Egyptian mythology and everything yeah, yeah. In, into the musical. Yeah, yeah. It was complete garbage. <laughs> but what it taught us was like pressure, like yeah. working under pressure yeah. in a team environment, yeah, which I, I was just so, you know. That's awesome. It was a very cool experience. Yeah. Um, we're kind of winding down here, but before we do wind down, Ooh. I did want to ask you one more thing um, mm-hmm. about your career, and that was something kind of popped in my head when I was just going through the memory banks of of, um, of my knowledge of, of G. Marco, and that was I remember once you were talking to me about um, you were writing songs um, and then putting those songs out there to artists to possibly you know, get on their album. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a tricky task. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who's out there trying it, do it, go on it, get to it. But uh, um, it's similar to auditioning in music theatre, you know? Yeah. You, 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 you can't expect um, a return. Sure. You just have to pay it forward. Yes. And there might be one all of a sudden that pops out. Yeah. And it may not be the one that you expect. Right, right. So, um, um, did 
no no famous artist has technically picked up my tunes, but I have written film scores for three award-winning American shorts. Wow, um, that's cool. I, I have one track placed in an award-winning American short, and um, in 2006, I got into the finals of the songs for the Socceroos, so Universal Australia has... <laughs> Has actually published me. <laughs> nice. So I mean, <laughs> Socceroos, sock, Socceroos. That one's mine. That was your uh, track. Yeah, it was my track. Oh, nice. Yeah. And and the the first two played the MCG, and I got third place. And I'm going. Oh, I was oh, so close to man. playing in front of ninety thousand at the G. So, wow. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. But um, it's a it's um the. There's a couple of um, really cool avenues like Taxi, for example, where you where you get pitches all the time and you submit to them right. and you have a seven-day turnaround. Huh. So if you if you want to do that kind of stuff, um, you need to learn how to write for pitches. Yes. So that means you tailor make your tunes, and that's sometimes tricky for a songwriter because you you know you write your babies and you write about the stuff that you care about. Yeah. But maybe Britney Spears doesn't care about the same things you care about, so there's no <laughs> chance she's gonna sing your song. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's fair enough. Yeah. So uh, um, I found that a really interesting period in my life because I I learned a lot about being creative, but having what do they call it in education? Restrictive practice. Ah. So you put restrictions on, on your task or on the environment or on the player. Yes. So uh, um, it, it's like you, you, you need to write a song, but you're only allowed two-syllable words, right? I don't know why I thought about this right now. Don't <laughs> ask me. Um, and, uh, uh, or you, you need to write a song, but it has to be at that beats per minute, or it has to be in that genre, or it has to be in that key, or it has to be in that part of the vocal range. Right. And, um, and that limits your options, but yeah. it actually enhances your ability to write because you can you be a focused. Bit, yeah, you can be more fearless and you have less options. Because yeah. as songwriters, that's often like, I don't know where to start. You know? Yeah, yes. Like, there's so many words and, yeah. and there's so many notes. Which one? I'm going yeah, yeah. Well, you know, write a song in the style of Kate Miller Heinke about cheese. Okay, off we go. Off we go. It's an interesting track. So, so yeah, no, I'm, I've, I've, I've written half of that tune. It starts very intriguingly, and I still haven't finished it. I'm going, this is actually a really cool track. But the, yeah. the, it, it also, because you're not writing to land a hit, or you're not writing to write your own number one, you 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 write with with more freedom for yeah. for a while because you're not trying to lock in. Mm. You know, that's an interesting thing, man. Mm. Yeah. So it, I think it can be really refreshing, especially when you're a little bit stuck in your own in your own head. Yeah, and yeah. you go, I'm, I I can't push on with my music. I don't know what's wrong with it. And mm. I'm going. You most likely have been overanalyzing it for the last five years. Yeah, and, and you know, you record a take and then you listen to it five thousand times. <laughs> And and um, how is it working for you? It's like, well, I'm I don't know. I'm sitting right here listening to it right now. I'm going exactly, exactly, yeah. So what you I can attest to that because I've mm. I've got like there's even one comes to mind right now. I've had a riff in my head and I've I've showed it to two bands in mm. the last maybe six seven years. Both mm. bands didn't know what to do with it, mm. and I still think it's fucking <laughs> awesome. And one day I hope it will get <laughs> off the so ground. I've got know. the riff in my head it, right now, and it's killer. <laughs> But it just just cannot get out of my brain onto a recorded, see, you know. Thing. See, um, um, one of my one of my good mates, um, he's Pat Patterson, and he teaches songwriting at Berkeley in yeah. Boston. 
he's got really good books out you should check him out if you can it's uh, one of the books is called writing better lyrics it's still in the top 10 in in, uh, in amazon yeah and he's he he's a, his approach is really cool and um he would often refer to things like that as you know when you're going into your shed and you decide i'm going to clear, clear it out and you go through each item you, you technically have items where you go i don't need this and you throw it out huh. but every now and then you find one and you go hmm this one is worth holding on to right and your riff is exactly that it's okay. worth holding, holding on, on to, to. And then you go, well, let's just put it out onto the workbench. You know, let's just see it. Let's dust it off. You know, let's check it out. And you might find that often ye- some songs are written in 10 minutes. Some are written in 10 years. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. They come in different ways. Right? Mm-hmm. So you might find that one day you have that riff in your head and all of a sudden there's lyrics coming. Or all of a sudden there's a groove coming. Or all of a sudden there's, that's where the riff is going to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, um the cool thing about like pat's approach to songwriting too is 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 about um contrast and about prosody and when you have a really really wicked riff uh like your old (laughs) (laughs) that one if you actually just had that riff going on for five minutes it would be really boring yeah but because it has that you're going where's the riff where's the riff where's the riff you're waiting for it and when it comes it hits you so damn hard and that's why it's such a good song that's it so you know what 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 i'm most likely if a student came to me with that i would go don't worry about it you know have it on a loop but every now and then listen what 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 comes after Sure, yeah, it's good advice. So you might you might find a second pocket, you know? Yeah. Or I have about, I want to say 120% of my songs, um, are 10% gold and 90% shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going, okay. Um, and, and most of the songs I put in the bin because of the 90% shit. Yeah. And, and when I got the new band together, I started to go back through my... Um, shit box <laughs> that's exactly my litter box I have done cats though <laughs> so I've, I've, I've gone for my litter box and I, I I found a couple of tunes that fit that funk style so so much but ah. they were from 2003 and 2008 and whenever yeah, yeah. and I went let's just cut the shit off sure and let's remind myself again why did I get excited about the tune? It nice. was the riff, or it was the lyric, or it was the beat, or it was the chord progression, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you bring that back out. You just put everything else away, and you start to rebuild. Yeah. Here's a here's a nice. I know we need to wind down, but here's okay. a, here's a, here's a nice one that that helped me in that process. Yeah. Michelangelo allegedly had a five-ton block of marble in his garage for about five years. Huh before he carved the David statue out yes, of it, right? Yes. When he was asked how he did it, he allegedly answered, oh, well, it was easy because, you see, David was always in there. All I had to do was get rid of what I don't need. Yes. Right? Chisel. Yeah, yeah. Today I chisel a bit on the shoulder. Today, I chisel a bit on the big toe. Yeah. So if you chisel every day and you just get rid of the stuff that you don't need, but like mindfulness, it's not negative or bad. It's just, it's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, Pat, Patterson would say, well, 
You know, the other day I wrote this really crappy song, really shit song, man. It's the worst verse I've ever written and the chorus was just not catchy at all. But at the end I thought, I'm so glad there's another song I'll never have to write again. That's <laughs> 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 that's good. It's, I like it's that. genius. Because yeah, it, it yeah. stops you from feeling bad about it. Yeah, I'm going, like, no, I don't have to worry about that one anymore. No, it's, it's done. It's out of my system. Yeah. And you say, get it out of your system. Yeah, go to the yeah. next one. The next one might be better. That's exactly right. That's a cool thing, man. So um um with, with that in mind, um when 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 you when you write for, for other people. Yeah. Or when you arrange for other people. Um it is a really good exercise because it, 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 you need to be getting out of your comfort zone. You need to start to think about a, a pitch or, again, a restrictive practice, which I find really, really inspiring. Yeah. It's the same when my, when my jazz teacher said to me, all right, um, you, don't, you, you can't improvise. You just sound like a music theater singer trying to sing jazz. <laughs> that's what she said to me in the first couple of weeks. I went, that's it, that, but that's what I am. Yeah, you but can't say that. She, she, she used that respect, restrictive practice by... By saying, look, um, I want you to improvise, but you're only allowed to improvise on one note. Right. I mean, right. Oh, so, and you realize how important rhythm is mm. and how important timbre is. But because you can't get lost in... You can't get lost. Sure, You can't yeah. sing a wrong note. There's only one note. Yeah. What's you, left is the rhythm. That's exactly right. So you can focus on one thing at a time when mm. you when you explore it. Mm. And Good I mean, 90% of Katy Perry songs, right? Oh, there's another melody. So hold on. That's not a melody. No. Okay. Yeah. It's a note. It's a note. <laughs> a melody includes intervals, with but some it's sprinkles okay. on top. <laughs> Good argue. But it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's, it's a, it's an effort worth, worth, worth going for. Um, yeah, man. But it's, um, but it's hard. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. if if you think about how many, how many tunes are being sent to the record labels and they don't even you know listen to them. Yeah. So it's um it's it has to do with degrees of separation, who you know, where you, you know, are in the right place at the right time, right time. And, and get your songs into into movies, get them into advertisement, get them into you know pitches, not just other artists, pitches, mm. products, pitches, um, uh, events and. And there's there's a lot of other ways of 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 getting your your, your work out there. Yeah. You know? um, and so, when 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 people want to seek out you as an educator now in 2020, mm. is there a way for them to reach out to you? Do you have like a website for yeah. your um, your vocal technique? I do. Um, you can check us out on uh, the Voice Gym. Um, which is really said myvoicegym.com. That's mm-hmm. the website. Myvoicegym.com. Um, myvoicegym.com. Um, and um, my wife and I, we, we, um, we teach um, evidence-based practice. We run um, five-day courses in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we teach one-on-one and small group. Yes. Um, so you can come and um, come for a play. I don't, I don't like the word practice anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and come for a jam. Um, or... You can you can check out Monash, uh, where I'm now um, since 2017 in a in a in an ongoing position. Yes, and I've started my PhD. In fact, um, hey, there you go. A, a year ago. So nice. I'm 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 trying to articulate. Um, we'll soon get to tell you 
call you Doctor Doctor G. Yes, that's right. It sounds 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 like a a, a metal singer from the seventies. So it's well, it's you know, Doctor Doctor G. They, that's Dave, one of Dave Grohl's nicknames, Doctor G. <laughs> So you're in good company, mate. <laughs> awesome. Oh, dude. Well, awesome. thank you so much for joining us on The Art of you're Touring. So it's been great um, catching up with you. Um, if people do want to uh, get in contact with you, go to myvoicegym.com um, or even uh, the Marco 4 as well. Is there yeah. socials for that as yeah. well? Yeah, you can check. Um, you can find Marco 4 on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, we will be gigging again um, we, we, our first gigs are always on campus because we play our lunchtime concerts and we play we play Monash because mm-hmm. um, a lot of my crew is from, from there Yeah. Um, but um, we normally um, uh, regulars at the Paris Cat and, uh, um, and and hopefully get into Bennett's again so we, we we're going to play the circuit a little bit this year nice one uh, baby steps baby but steps. Uh, um yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying educating a lot. I love working with with uh, with the young artists. Sure, yeah. Um, and uh, we often team up with them. So um, whenever um, they have their EP launches, uh, we rock up, play support, and it's it's good fun. That's cool. Um, one of the one of the things that I love from the because edu- my PhD is in education, actually, mm. Mm. not even in music. Um, but one of the things that we love doing and I love doing is to create a, a shared experience with future peers and to think of, of students like that as future peers is, yeah. a, is a really nice nice way because there yeah. same in music theatre there is no industry really we are the industry you are the industry and uh, um, for students to wait until you get into the industry is just silly yeah. what you should do instead is to have each other's backs and and support each other's gigs and and sing each other's songs and yeah. and 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 um play support for each other and share your 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 community yeah. and then the community will be bigger and uh at monash that's exactly what we've been trying to create over the last three four years and yeah we've seen in the in the graduating classes over the last two years exactly that where people have performed each other's tunes in their in their um, you know third year recitals and and now they're playing gigs with each other, which is so nice to see and yeah. and they're pushing each other's products and pushing each other's uh, creativity, which is really healthy. That's cool. So man. Um, um, yeah, and um, we're we're flying with them. Yeah. Well, it's great to um, it's great to know that you you're out there flying the flag um, for music education down in, in Monash and um, dude, we will we will see you. Uh, you know, you most in a classroom or in a gig very, very soon. <laughs> That's right. Either with a tune or a bad dad joke. So I'm gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna find, you're gonna find me somewhere and um, with broken English. Um, <laughs> Fabulous. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, G. We'll see you soon, mate. Thank you so much for having me. Ciao. Rock on. And that is a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 93, all done. Seven more to go and we hit that 100. Now, I mentioned last week we are wrapping up the podcast at 100. I'm going to... I'm wrapping up the weekly version of the podcast. I might do specialty podcasts, you know, once a month or maybe once every two months or whenever, you know, a guest approaches me, which I think would be a cool, fun chat. Then I might bring the headphones back on and, re- and release a, a podcast here and there. But um, after 100, man, it's going to be moving from a weekly show to more of a laid back.
back kind of, you know, once or twice whenever whenever I can get them out. All right. So be ready for a change, Art of Touring Touring after the oh, I can't even talk. I'm so tired. Art of Touring listeners. Oh man, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first time listener, where have you been? 93 episodes deep, you've just started listening. What's going on? Um, I'd love you to come on back and maybe check out some of the old eps, eh? They're all there. All 93 of them are available for free. All, all for free. Just give it to you. Here you go. All I ask in return is for you to come to the gig on Feb 15th. It's going to be sick, but I'll tell you about that in the plugs. I'm getting ahead of I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh man, if you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you would like to be on this show. If you're a touring musician or a performer or a wrestler, please hit me up. Or send me a message on Instagram at artoftouringpodcast. Or you can send me a message on Facebook at Art of Turing Podcast. You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka. You can download it on iTunes. Please give the podcast a rating. Go on, get your smartphone out, hit five stars, leave a review, and you'll be feeling good all day long. And now, let's get into the plugs. On Saturday the 15th of Feb, you've heard me say it for the last few weeks at the Spotted Mallard in Brunswick, The Art of Turing is celebrating its 100th episode. Oh my God, it's two weeks away, guys. Two weeks away for this live event. Get your tickets. Joining me on the night will be previous guests from this podcast, including live sets from the Millionaires Club. These guys, they do wrestling theme songs. If you like wrestling and theme songs, you're going to love the Millionaires Club. We've got Delsinki previous guest of the show and he's going to do his acoustic rock and roll vibe stuff it's going to be sick we've also got the warbirds power rock trio the warbirds will be there doing their power rock awesomeness and swedish pop factory they are a three-piece and they are a hip-hop act and they are hilarious you're going to love these guys they are amazing and the debut performance of the hollywood hitters we are going to be performing i'm the front man and we're going to perform favorite songs from your fake bands and movies spinal tap yeah still crazy mark Wahlberg's rock star i'm even going to throw in a wedding singer track because that's not a real band and there's a song in it that adam sandler sings so i'm going to sing that one to you somebody kill me please on my knees beg it beg it please kill me i want to die put a bullet in my head there's a little preview there for you tickets are available right now and guess what with your ticket ticket with your ticket if you are the first of the first 42 in the door okay pre-purchase tickets i might add grab them now you will receive a one of 42 there's only 42 of these things enamel pins commemorating this 100th live episode. They are numbered, they are signed, they are exclusive to this live event. So if you like collectibles, like I do, if you like cool shit, then you have to come down to this gig and get one of these pins, okay? They cost me more than the ticket price is going to cost you. So there's your ticket price. And obviously, I already mentioned, Anytime Fitness are going to be there and they are going to offer you free... 
free sign up. No sign up fee. No join up fee for Anytime Fitness in Epping. You're going to get that with your ticket. And you're going to get 15% off Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury for three months from the February 15th to May 15th. You can get down there and use your 15% off voucher. Now, what else can I give you? Live entertainment, live interviews, and all of those things in a goodie bag. Guys, you have rocks in your head if you don't come to this show. It's going to be in- insane. I was about to say in- intense. I was like intense and insane. The same, like um, uh, joining those two words. Man, I'm getting tired. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout outs though. Shout out to Chris Wall. He designed the artwork for the show and you can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. And his artwork is going to be featured on the collectible pin if you come to the gig. Big thanks to my guest this week, G Marco. Be sure to follow him on his social media profiles for the Marco 4 on Facebook and uh, go to myvoicegym.com if you're interested in getting some voice lessons, some uh, some play, some practice, not practice, a bit of play um, with your voice, get some voice techniques down with Marco. Or if you look at looking at studying music, he's at Monash, Monash University in Clayton as well. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of the Art of Turing podcast. With us is now. Remember, our podcast is brought to you by Lobo's Collectibles in Thornbury, the best vintage toy store in the universe, and Anytime Fitness in Epping, where, as the name suggests, you can train anytime, day or night. Come to the gig, please, Feb 15.